Welcome to Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager, a podcast that addresses the do's, don'ts, and dynamics of the digital ecosystem specific to higher education. I'm your host, Jenny Lee Fowler. Join me every other week for discussions with some of the best minds in higher education social media management and marketing. Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager is a part of the Enrollify Network, a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher education professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. Today, I am joined by Nicole Tabak, who is a freelance writer and content strategist and killing it, might I add. You know, Nicole had a moment where she expertly intersected the institution's culture with uh, pop culture, um, which we will get into for in a second. But Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a social media professional? Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. So a little bit about me. I have always had a career across marketing, a lot of generalist roles, PR, communication, social media, and really just have always loved how collaborative it all is and how real time everything is. So I have worked across all different industries, started in arts and theater and entertainment and music um, and with a lot of nonprofit organizations. Really love that work. Went into startups, fintech, all different sorts of new technologies, and then found myself at a career crossroads and decided to just go freelance full-time because what else does do people do in a global pandemic other than just quit their jobs and <laughs> figure it out? But it worked for you. It did work out. I know. Thank- thankfully, it. Uh, I can speak on behalf of that today. But it uh, was a really exciting moment for me to figure out what I wanted to do. And I have continued to do social media work within this freelance full-time work that I do, but I'm also able to sort of flex my skills in other areas and just sort of go with where the wind blows, where where things take me and really hone in on, on a lot of the interests that I have across marketing. So that's a little bit about me. No, that's great. I didn't realize that you had dipped into so many different industries. I bet that's really helpful in, in you know, bringing that knowledge into what you do today. It is. I tell all of my clients and prospective clients that even my client pool right now is pretty diverse across industries and I think it actually helps me a lot in the work that I do because I have an eye on so many different areas and I'm able to sort of take the work that I'm doing with a higher ed company and bring it into the work that I'm doing with an e-commerce company or a media company um, and really just sort of get a big holistic picture of what's going on across marketing communications. The reason why I wanted you to talk with us today is is your work that you did with a particular uh, higher ed institution. Um, And before we really get into it. Can you set the stage for us? Um, Tell us, you know, about Harvard Online and its social media audience. 
Sure. Yeah. So Harvard Online um, was one of my first clients and in the freelance space, I, prior to going freelance, one of my first jobs actually out of college was working with an organization called the American Repertory Theater, which is the theater outside of Harvard University. They're part of the campus and part of the, the university as a whole. So I met a lot of contacts there through the Harvard ecosystem, and it's always just sort of been close to my my, my heart and my career throughout uh, the years. So when I went full-time freelance, I had a friend of mine who worked for the team there and they were still pretty new at launching their whole marketing and their new brand of Harvard Online. And it was a really exciting opportunity for me to kind of get in at the ground level and help build this brand and this persona across social media, across the website, and also the blog that we've been honing in on. So this, like I said at the beginning, kind of goes to my um, focus of being very much a generalist across across different areas with that. So we really honed in on what is our social media persona, similar to a lot of higher ed organizations, which I'm sure everyone listening can sort of empathize <laughs> with. Uh it's, it's a little tricky because there's a lot of information that you have to get out there. And I'd say before I came on, a lot of our social media was very much course announcements, um, educational updates, professor announcements, things like that, that were very bread and butter and just business as usual. And I think a really great opportunity that we honed in on pretty early with the Harvard Online brand was that it is the online school of Harvard University. It's the online extension. And I think that lends itself really well to being able to have fun, right? Online is our campus. And as such, social media should be part of that campus and should be part of that community that we have of students, similar to if you were on an, an in-person campus and you went to a rec hall or to a dining hall or something like that, where you get that sort of feel of what the community stands for and what the community is like. That's what I really wanted to portray on the social media channels and on the blog. And I think it's a really great blend of being informative and educational and insightful, but also not taking ourselves too seriously and being able to have fun and realize that we are working and living in an evolving world that is changing all the time. And some of that includes having fun with little social pop culture trends. Yeah, no, that's great. And and just to make the distinction clear, Harvard Online it's it's is its own entity. And it's part of the Harvard ecosystem, but you're you're not you're not running the social channels for Harvard College. It's Harvard Online. Correct. Yes, correct. And it sounds like you've been with them for a while. Yes, I've been with them for the full 2 years that I've been full-time freelance. So they have really been, we've gone through a lot of evolution together, both myself and them. And the team there right now is just so robust and lovely. And we are supported by the full team of folks across Harvard social media and communications and PR. So it really is a group effort, I'd say at this point, versus when I first started, which was you know, there were just a handful of us on the team trying to make things work. And I'd say now, even though it's still a small but mighty team, we're a lot more centered in exactly what the roles are of each person. That's in, that's encouraging. So yeah. in in um so in 2022, you created a thread that yes. went viral on what was Twitter <laughs> at the time. Take us back to that moment. Oh boy, it was wild. When I tell you this happened in 2022, but it happened at like 9 p.m. at night. It was so wild thinking back on it. Um, 
and also a big representation of sort of building trust, not just within freelance or contractor or social media managers, but also just within your teams across the board, especially if you're at a larger university that has so many different parts of the equation. So it was nine o'clock the day before Taylor was dropping a new album, right? Yes, this is so- that- That is vital to the story. So it was the night before the release of her latest album, Midnight's, latest full new album at the time of recording. Who knows what she'll drop at any point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I had noticed scrolling through Twitter at the time that there were other brands that were making comparisons between her large library of albums and things that were relevant to their brand. So I believe the first one, and I I hate to say that I forget, but it has now, you know, surpassed my brain. I believe the first one was like Papa John's or something. It was, it was some um, food brand that was doing it. And then there were a whole slew of other brands that I had seen coming into the conversation. And it got to the point where I was sitting there thinking, wow, this is a really fun opportunity for brands. And obviously it's, it feels in a way, one of those ones, that's kind of a quick little, you know, you can jump in pretty easily, just copy the format. However, the ones that I was seeing that were really standing out were ones that were very thoughtful and very connected to the brand and showed that the person behind the tweets were understanding Taylor and understanding the albums and really understanding how they honed in on the brand. So I, kind of as I was scrolling through, kept getting this wild idea in my brain of, well, what if we just jumped in on it? We have so many courses through Harvard Online, and this is definitely the kind of thing where we want to have fun with the brand, but we also don't want to seem like we are diluting the brand or downplaying the intelligence that we have and the incredible resources that we have at our disposal. Because I think that's something that is really a challenge when you're a social media manager is how can you create something that is jumping on a trend and having fun, but also not completely diluting yourself. And you still, you still want it to feel like aligned with your brand voice. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want it coming out of nowhere because otherwise, you know, we posted that thread And then there's always the conversation of after something goes viral, well, what now? What are we going to say to our audience next? And you don't want it to feel like this is so far away from your normal content that you can never return from that because that then you're in a weird, difficult conundrum of you just got all of this internet fame and now you have no idea what to do with it because the people that are following you have no interest in what you're actually providing. Right. They're just, they're your fault. They they just are followers but not necessarily your community members so exactly it, it, it's not it's not sustainable um but yeah. yeah no so take us back you're seeing this happening and 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 you had not written anything it's nine o'clock at night I hadn't written <laughs> and, and you know and we don't encourage that always but you yes. had this moment of creativity yes. and you went with it I was just, I mean, that was it. It was really just a moment where I felt very creatively inspired. And I think as native creatives, all of us, it's a creative field. Sometimes you have that idea that strikes in the shower. Sometimes you have that idea that strikes when you're just sitting on your couch at 9 p.m. And I just couldn't get it out of my brain. I kept thinking, well, this could be a really fun opportunity. And I started even like writing certain uh, posts in the thread in my head, like this would be a really cool connection. And so just 
out of just trying to throw out the idea, I sent a text to my friend who um, is the contact at the at, at the client and said, I, I have this idea. I think it could be really cool. I think it is really tangential to our brand and would relate to it. And I really want to run with it. And here are examples as well. So I was providing proof points of why I think it would work and really showing her my excitement. And the the trust here is that this client hired me as the expert to know exactly what I think is important in here. And this was one of the first moments where I actually pulled apart and said, I, I really strongly believe this is going to be a really good opportunity. And I think you need that trust to be able to understand, first of all, this happened at 9 p.m.-ish around there. We'll say it was 9 p.m. And I literally had to draft, I think it was, you know, what, 10 or so tweets based on her albums at the time and connect them to courses that we had, come up with CTAs for them, come up with images for them and pull them together in a way that actually sort of made sense. And there was not much time after I had written all of those to really go through like all of the approval paths that we usually do for posts. Yeah, so yeah, I, let's let's be honest. This let's be this honest. is like we're trying to capitalize on a moment. If if you if you don't get on this early, it's gonna feel too forced, or it, you know, the timing exactly. is really really essential here. So 100%. you probably said you kind of probably said, "Do you trust me?" And yes. can, I think, can we not, can we have like not undo the approval process just this one time? Like, I'm sure. Yes. I think that was actually verbatim one of the texts that I sent to this person of, do you trust me? Right. Because you know that I am not going to do anything that's going to sabotage the brand. This is going to be bold, but I just, I need to know that you're going to trust me because this could be something big and I need to know that I have your support. And they, they responded, yes, of course. And I felt then creatively inspired to be able to do what I really believed was the right decision here. And also a thing that we don't really think about is that we all sort of have imposter syndrome to some extent and different difficulties. And I had those moments where I was like, they hired me as this expert and they, they trust me to move forward with what I think is right. But am I sure that this is right? This is very <laughs> scary to just go out on a limb and hope that it works. Sure. And I will tell you, so we we publish all of those, and probably within the first two to three minutes of posting it, I I knew that it was going to just go wild because you see the likes and comments coming in and reposts, and um, it was just on another level. And I. I think I turned to my husband at that point or uh, texted my my colleague and said, I I think we're in for something with this one. <laughs> I'm going to keep an eye on it and I but I think it's gonna go somewhere. And just within the first hour, it had already surpassed any other content that we had ever posted. It was just on a completely other level. And it was really fun to see the responses come in. And because of that trust, again, I was able to respond to certain accounts and repost ones that had reshared us, you know, just kind of looking into that engagement. I was able to continue that relationship with our audience because I knew that I already had the buy-in from the leaders at my organization. So that is integral to the entire thing. It would have never happened if we didn't have that basis of trust. Hello, friends. It's Jenny Lee Fowler. 
exciting news, I'll be at the Engage Summit in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th, and I'd love to meet you there. Hosted by Element 451, the Engage Summit is where AI meets higher education. Sessions will focus on cutting-edge AI applications that are reshaping student outreach, enhancing staff productivity, and offering deep insights into ROI. This isn't your typical conference. It's a strategic summit where you'll learn from the best about leveraging AI and digital strategies in higher ed marketing. Imagine two days filled with hands-on sessions, real success stories, and the chance to network with top minds in the field. You'll leave with practical, transformative takeaways as you learn how AI fosters a more personalized, efficient approach from recruitment to student success. Oh, and the best part? The Engage Summit is incredibly affordable. Tickets are just $150 per person. But it gets better. Use the discount code ENROLLIFY50 at checkout, and you can register for just $99. This early bird pricing lasts until March 31st. So join me and many of my fellow Enrollify Network creators at the Engage Summit this coming June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. We can't wait to see you there. That's so great. And and I'm glad that you came back to that because I want you to talk a little bit about the process of gaining that trust. Because it you did use the use use the word friend now. I think the person who's technically maybe the person you report to um at your clients, it has you have a friendly relationship with them now. Yes. Um but how do you what you know, what was the process or how did you get there? Yeah. So this particular client I had known from a previous job. So we've kind of gone through different career um, milestones together. But I would say regardless of that, I have definitely made colleagues and clients in the last couple of years that I feel very close with and have gained their trust and do look at us as friends. And I think that's really built on being honest and transparent from the very get-go. So mm-hmm. I always tell my clients, this is what you should expect from me. This is the way that I communicate. This is the way that I work best so that there's not this disconnect between what people are expecting and what you can actually deliver. And I think once you build that transparency, it's also an area where you get less overwhelmed. You're not feeling like you have to meet this unrealistic expectation that you've created and in your head or out of any assumed idea. Um And also you're able to sort of feel this buy-in with everyone else. So I, I think of them as friends and as real teammates, even though I am a freelance contractor with them, because I will constantly be scrolling through my email or something like that. And I come up with an article or something that I think is tangential and useful for them. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll get into it. And Jenny, like you said, I don't condone, you know, uh, working, large hours of time or working overtime outside of your normal hours. To, not all uh, the time. Not, not all, all the time. time. Yeah. Sometimes we get up. hit by inspiration. Yes. We get it, and but so that's... not on the time. <laughs> exactly. So so we, we will talk about that. But I do think that I do think that there is a healthy area of being able to provide benefit to your clients and your team and, you know, thinking of them when you see an article on LinkedIn that could be tangential to a campaign that you're doing or a project Mm -hmm. that you're working on and continuing to do things like that helps again, earn that trust that you are in this together. And I say that to everyone all the time, like it's not a me against you or this person against it's, 
it's a team effort. And when the brand wins, we all win. <laughs> that, that's that's great. You're just um, doing those things to build the relationship. Um, so one thing I don't want to overlook is that you were very familiar with the brand voice. You even helped to hone it on the social media channels and you're a Swifty. So you're very familiar with really, honestly, that brand as well. So you were able to do it very, very like authentically and, um, and stay true, you know, to the audiences and the fandoms of both brands. So do you have any advice for someone who might be new to a position that might be wanting to maybe capitalize um, on a similar moment? Yeah. So I think it kind of goes back to, like I said, about your own personal brand and your own unique interests. I don't think that someone needs to look at this example and say, I need to jump on Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is, if that is your thing, by all means, but if you don't, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, let's be honest. You know, if 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 it was if it had to do with like Star Star Wars, I'm yeah. I'm there. You know, but yeah. I think you have to. You know, I I like that where you should know what your wheelhouse is and exactly. just stay in it. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to expand that wheelhouse, by all means, that's very exciting. But it should come from a place that feels authentic and interesting to you, not just because you feel like you need to become someone else or that you need to copy what someone else did. Mm. I know nothing about Star Wars and Star Trek. (laughs) I would definitely not be the right person for that, but there are people on my team or colleagues that I have that are the right person for that. And I would be thrilled to either consult with them or work with them or suggest them for something like that. And I think that's where it goes back to we're all a team. We're all trying to work towards the same common goal. So looking at what unique things does each person bring to the table and really being unashamed to put forward that interest, I think that's what really was the magic here and what someone can recreate is that, you know, lean into the things that make you unique and interested in any topic and don't be afraid to bring that into your marketing or into any sort of strategy that you're moving forward with. And I, I propose ideas that don't make it all the time that have to do with my interests. Like just because something doesn't work that time doesn't mean that it's not possible in the future. And this landed, but like there's so many other things that haven't landed. And that's, I think, the the fun and difficult part about social media is that you really never know what you're getting into and you can have these inklings of this feels like it's going to work but you truly never know it could be right place right time it's so it's such it's such so a true wild world yeah. but that's why it's always you should always try yeah cuz no one really ever knows but on the other side of that so i like what you're saying about stay true to your yourself and, you know, your interests and and play them up, you know, in your field of expertise. But if you're new, if you're new to the brand and um, you want to sort of, you have a, a, you know, a bolt of inspiration, how do you, how do you kind of do it without tripping on the brand side? Like say you're still trying to get up to speed on the brand voice. Like, do you have any advice Maybe, maybe you started to say it by making sure you work with your team, but work with your team. Definitely. Um, I think you can learn so much from other people and that's not even just when you're a beginner. Like I think people who have even been in their career for even longer, that's 
often when you need to double check with other people because you can kind of become a little stagnant sometimes. So mm-hmm. definitely lean on your team. I would say when I was beginning, and I even mentioned this sort of with the the Taylor Swift example, having proof points to pull from to really show, okay, I, I've seen other brands do this or I've, I've tried it out myself and I am able to sort of see how this could become a good idea. That often helps other folks on your team or leaders really cement themselves in what the idea is and feel confident that it's okay to move forward with it. And I think also the last point that I would I would give as advice is that I'm doing this constantly. I'm throwing out bad ideas all the time. I (laughs) am trying to get into the practice of just creating and doing things and going through the motions so that it doesn't feel so foreign when you're actually doing it for the time that you end up posting that thread or that Mm -hmm. post. Um, Just being comfortable with getting creative and trying out new things and knowing that like nine times out of 10, they might fail or be rejected or just not come to fruition, that's okay. I think for me, it was a massive game changer when I looked at those things as part of the process versus a bad failure or a bad thing to happen. Um, Mm. Being creative just often means like putting yourself out there and giving things a try and knowing when to say, okay, this this is not going to happen at Mm -hmm. all, but that was fun. And also knowing when to sort of feel really confident with it. Like I said, with the Taylor Swift thread, I have done enough instances where I have pitched something or come up with an idea that I didn't feel was 100% there, that when I had this and it was the right timing and the right idea, I felt very confident to push my team to say, I think we need we need to go on this. And I think we need to go on it now because it's the, you know, like you said, it's very timely. So definitely just get comfortable with creating, feel free to make mistakes, it's going to happen. And rely on those sorts of proof points and your team to hold you accountable and ground you when you're unsure. I love that. I I always feel like a failure is not a failure if you've learned something from it. And um, and, and Nicole, I think you also made it easier for the rest of us because we can all say Harvard did it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And they, I'm, you know, we, we made it through. Um, It's, I would say that's the other thing. Like, you know, you make these moments of virality and you, people just see the good parts of them, but you also get comments where people are like, this is so cringe. And uh, you know, it's fine. It's it's mostly good. It just happens. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's the internet that's going to happen. Sometimes, you know, when you see the numbers go up, I feel like it's exciting at first, but it gets, I feel like it gets scary. (laughs) It's so scary. And I've had this happen on my personal brand as well as on brand accounts. I feel like it's even scarier when it's your personal Mm. brand because you're just really out there and vulnerable and it's really scary. And not only is it scary to see, to put yourself out there and see that response, but like I said, having that what's next after then is also quite terrifying because you feel like you need to follow up this massive thing that happened. And more often than not, you're not going to, you know, lightning Mm -hmm. doesn't always strike right, you know, in succession right after each other. So I think, you know, letting yourself have that grace and letting yourself have that space to be like, this is just going to be uncomfortable and difficult and we're going to get through it. And overall it's for the best. But there's a lot of complex feelings that people don't really talk about. That's so true. And um, and in the end, I think slow and steady is always good. Yes, um, 100%. Since, okay. So, Nicole, since we are confessions of a 
higher ed social media manager. What is your confession? Oh boy, I think this might be a hot take. I think I might make people uncomfortable with this one. So I'm very oh, I sorry. It. I love but it. But I, for the last year and a half of being a freelance social media manager, have not had notifications on my phone from any social network. I love it. <laughs> I It's my little tiny secret that I don't tell people, but now it's out there in the world. So I guess uh, everyone is hearing this and now I cannot hide the secret. But <laughs> No, but I think I love that it gives other people permission to explore that for, for themselves. Yes. And, and so tell us, since you've turned off your notifications, have you missed anything? Has there been anything that come up, comes up that you that you you know you had to know at that very second? Absolutely not. And I have not gotten fired from any client. I have not had anyone mad at me for anything. It is it is pretty wild. And I know that there was a time in my life when I would have screamed at myself. And I certainly do not endorse it for everyone. I would say, you know, know yourself and know what is right for you. For me, I was just noticing that every single time a notification would come in, even if it was something as simple as just a like on a post, I would just feel sort of this, my heart rate would elevate. I would feel physically difficult um, in that moment. And it would just shape my mood so much. And I turned it off for a vacation that I went on and I, I didn't delete the apps. I still have them on my phone and I still check things frequently, obviously. And I fall into doom scrolling all the time, but I kind of came under the conclusion that if something was super urgent, either someone would text me, message me, slack me. I would find out in some way. I have news alerts on my phone. I know things that are happening all the time and I am constantly checking, especially during the workday, right? Like I am constantly on these platforms. I rely on social media schedulers like Sprout, Hootsuite, all of those sorts of um, tools to be able to help monitor a lot of this. And I get Mm -hmm. email alerts from those things. So by no means am I completely out of the loop with all of this. I am still very updated. I write a daily newsletter. I do all of this sort of stuff that I am still in the know. But it was just such a weight off to not feel that physical reaction that your body gets when you see the ping come in and it's it's unwarranted right like when i am actually going and doing these things for my job i am actively making the decision to flip my brain into those moments whereas when i'm sitting and eating dinner i am no longer getting interrupted by something that probably doesn't matter especially not right in that moment so i feel like i have been able to have a little bit of a better work life balance and I haven't missed anything. So that was the thing. I was like, if it causes more stress and I miss a lot of things, then I will turn them back on. But so far I haven't. So no, I don't know if there's an end to this. <laughs> uh, that is great. And maybe for our friends who can't just go cold turkey and yeah. turn off, maybe they can sort of pod down, like yes. just pick and choose the notifications. I definitely don't need to hear every single like that comes in yeah. on the brand, um, you know, account. So maybe they could pod down. But, yes. you know, I think sometimes as social media managers, one thing we fear is we worry about not being the first one to see something. Mm-hmm. And we are in the spaces more than anyone else. And I usually am always the first one to see it, you know, even without, you know, having my notifications on all day. Right. Yes. So I think, I think that we can um, collectively let go of that fear. 
Yes, 100%. I think the the Swifty thread was an example of that. Of I was just scrolling through on my timeline and seeing this sort of trend pop up. And if I hadn't been doing that, then I wouldn't have seen that and the thread wouldn't have happened. But I think that's like a very intense conclusion to draw from that. I think I, in our jobs, we are naturally just scrolling through social media. I, what I am sort of trying to balance a little bit more in my own life is just being intentional about when I'm doing that and not finding myself just losing myself in the timeline and getting to the point where I feel physically not well or that it's affecting my mental health. I am Mm -hmm. a strong believer in really advocating and holding boundaries for your own mental health. And I think there are definitely ways to do that. Like you said, that as a social media are not just completely turning off your phone or logging off. I think looking at what is the best mix for you is perfect for that. And I think easing into it, turning off likes, that's great. Or I really love using, um, if you have an iPhone, there's like focus modes and things like that so that Mm. you can restrict apps for certain times or even just, you know, silence your phone a little bit. So the notifications might still be coming in, but you're not getting like the buzz or the ping every single time they come in. Maybe it's just going there so you can see it whenever you want. So I definitely think everyone should do what works best for them. Because honestly, at the end of the day, if what you're doing is causing you more stress, then that is completely going around the entire purpose of it. So do whatever works best for you, but don't be afraid to advocate for what you need and for yourself. Because I think that's something that I wish someone had told me pretty early in my career. And unfortunately, I had to experience burnout and difficult symptoms to finally advocate for this is what I need. And this is how I can continue on to do my job and do it well, because I've held these boundaries. So important. And really a whole nother topic. That we'll have to have <laughs> 100%. Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your confession, your (laughs) moment, your amazing insights. And I am really, really grateful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you all to listen to this. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Confessions of a Higher Ed Social Media Manager is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, Mallory Wilsey, and so many others of your favorite leaders in higher ed. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.